Eagles Entertainment. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week. And we've got Eagles-Cowboys in the breakdown as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 435. At the top of today's show, we've got three and out where I chat with Chris McPherson to get into his thoughts on this Eagles-Cowboys matchup. Thematic elements uh, here at play. Obviously, we'll talk through uh, the Jalen Hurts injury as well. We'll get into plenty there at the top of the show with C-Mac. After that, we've got Chalk Talk. Ben Fennell and I, we are going to chew on this matchup. Eagles, Cowboys, both sides of the football. X's and O's to break down. We've got plenty to dig into. Obviously, talk through our Eagles game plan production for the week as well. Before we get there, though, a couple things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question, leave it there. We'll answer it in an upcoming episode. Also this week, on Eagles game plan. I caught up with Eagles running back Miles Sanders. We talked about uh, what has been a career year for him, some of his top plays of the season. I saved a few of those bites from that segment. Again, we call it tape study on Eagles game plan. Before we jump into the film, by every metric, basically every metric, you're having one of your best seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you attribute that to? What is it that has uh, really kind of made you be so successful so far this season? Uh, I mean, you know how I am. Um, I got to give credit to these five guys up front, um, tight ends too, and, and Coach Stout, um, honestly. That's who I give all my credit to because we're so detailed on, on how we uh, build a run game up. And, and it goes with the protection too, but uh, we spend a lot of time trying to build a good run game plan. And I know Stout stresses itself out trying to do that too so and you know these five guys up front do their thing each and every game so yeah I gotta give a hard credit to them. So what's it like uh, when you've got Coach Stoutland and those guys you come into a game plan meeting and just seeing what they came up with in the lab that week? Yeah just it it works out every time you know um, I mean of course they like to sometimes ask you know what we like to do and I like to go downhill um, mm. I, that's that's my thing I just like downhill because I like I like how these these guys up here they just move big bodies around and a lot of fans and media don't, you know, they say, oh, find the hole, find the hole. But all these different run concepts, yeah, your read is different. Yeah, right? there's a read. Every read is different. And I have a, you know, a landmark. And yeah, it's, it's all just reading it out. So I know people be wanting me to go certain places, but that's not my read. So. <laughs> well, that's what, what's fun is that, you know, watching all these different kind of run plays. And, and this one here uh, is a, a wham play against Houston. And mm-hmm. some of these where you have to really read it out. And some are one read and yeah, go, yeah, like the, these, these quick hitters like yeah, this one. Yeah, this is we want to trap the, the, the three tech. And which is this guy right here. So you like okie doke him. And then you got the tight end. You got Dallas, which is a great blocking tight end. And he seals that in a wide open hole. How big are your eyes at this point? Where you're like, all right, like you have uh, all of I-95. You got a six-lane yeah. highway going your way. It's super. It's super. It gets super big, but you gotta, you know, just try to. I don't know. <laughs> you try to not get too happy because stuff like this can happen. It's like, oh dang, I thought I was gonna be gone. But, <laughs> but you know, you gotta remember that these guys get paid too. So. Well, I mean, you still uh, picked up an extra ten. Oh yeah, yeah, came yeah. Down. So let me ask you this: because when you have a play like that where it can be a quick hitter and you're gonna go shot out of a cannon, sometimes it's clean like that mm-hmm. one here against Houston. Sometimes though you're meeting contact at the line of scrimmage yeah. uh, do you, you always have to just kind of keep your spidey senses about you and say like all right i can feel contact at any point oh yeah yeah because you know the other thing that makes uh running backs good is breaking tackles so sure. you know and unfortunately yeah i don't know how i know kenny clark that's a big dude so yeah did my thing breaking his tackle that main block with 11 right here i'm not scoring unless he's doing what he's doing, you know? He's doing a heck of a job blocking, I would say. You've mentioned Dallas Goddard. You've mentioned A.J. Brown. We know Devontae Smith. The touchdown against the Jaguars, uh, he's out in front. What's it like having other guys that, you know, quote-unquote skill position players that are so active in the run game? Yeah, I mean, everybody's bought in, and, you know, everybody has everybody knows the plan of the play, and everybody just executes it because, we, you know, at the end of the day, when we want to drop back and throw the ball, we got to do our thing, too, mm. just so they can get the ball, too. This was a game uh, against Jacksonville. Yeah. Pouring rain. It's a, a big storm. You had a huge day uh, in this game. This is late. Tell, I know you, when we were going through this uh, off camera, you said how much you really enjoyed this run. Mm-hmm. Why did this run stand out to you? Uh, just because I, I kind of made something out of nothing. Um, this is the same kind of play that you've seen for uh, Detroit. Uh, my my read is the end where Verlaine got him. He, he had He's replacing him. He's placing him and, you know, shooting him out the, uh, the box, but the whole line is it's not a clear clear picture so I really don't know 
and I tried to make something happen. But at that point, you just got to get vertical, break some tackles, I don't know, and, and pray. <laughs> how much of that is just like natural, like instinct versus yeah. this is how I'm coached? And we worked about this all week. Yeah, I didn't work on this. This is, this is <laughs> it's not how we drew it up, but uh, yeah, it worked out, you know, just being disciplined and just trying to get vertical, I guess. I don't know. After the game, this guy uh, spoke to the media and said, we don't win this game with without the way Miles ran the football. What, what is it like hearing that from one of your teammates? Uh, uh, coming from 62 means a lot. Um, you know, that's a future Hall of Famer. And I got all the respect for him. And, you know, every time I get compliments from that, from like him or her stop, it means a lot. I, I take it with me and, and uh, I hold on to that because they don't give a lot of compliments out. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask you about the guy that you share the backfield with, Jalen Hurts, obviously a big part uh, of the run game as well. And on this one, uh, all the different read plays that you guys are able to incorporate. And sometimes he gets the ball, sometimes you get the ball. What is that like, that relationship like, especially at the mesh point uh, in terms of how often you guys work through that? Is that a, a daily thing, a weekly thing? How often do you have to work uh, the, the coordination at that mesh point? Oh, yeah, we work on that every day, every practice uh, practice we have. Have, um, just because it's important. People might not think it's important, but it is important because that can easily be a fumble and, you know, defenders right there to get it and scoop it up. So making sure that the ball handling's uh perfect, you know, even with the snap. So we take pride in a lot of that stuff just to make sure we're playing clean football and then let our talent take over at that point. What are some of the coaching points for a running back in this kind of situation? Maybe our the fans and media don't uh, you know take this into account, but mm -hmm. really important. If to he make if it he go. if he pulls it, uh, just you know have a good fake, make it seem like I have the ball, just to sell sell it out, just to keep people from you know hitting our quarterback. So sure, a lot of his play is going to the front side. You could see the backside defenders scraping over the top, finally, and that's all you just carrying the fake. Yep, yep, it's big yeah. time. I know this was a play. Uh, you came to the sideline after this one. This is mm -hmm. the win against Indianapolis where you're screaming, Coach, I made teach tape. I made teach tape. This is a big pass interference penalty mm -hmm. downfield. We haven't had anybody on set breaking this play down yet. So take us through why did you make the teach tape here uh, okay. for this play? So this is a point of the game. This makes the, this play even more you know, important because it was at a point in the game where we needed to get down the field and score. I think we were down at this point. Yep. You see me just going in motion over here. I'm back here, so. And then I notice 44 has me, but he has his eyes in the backfield. And then as the play keeps going, Jalen's about to scramble. I want to do the scramble drill, but there's nobody on the top, so I could take the top off. So that's why I just casually go out there hoping he sees me. I, I wanted him to see me earlier so I can look sweet and catch the ball on the end zone, but... <laughs> He threw it a little late. It was a little underthrown, and I just knew as soon as the ball was in the air, I seen him. He was looking right at me. He didn't put his eyes in the air just to look at the ball, and I just stopped and passed the friends. I kind of knew what I was doing. And as you can see, I got up and celebrated, throw that flag. So in that situation, you have to have the awareness. Like, okay, I've got green light to go down the field. Yeah. You look back. You're trying to go for the football. You mm -hmm. see that the ball's a little bit underthrown, but you see the defender also coming at you. You're like, all right, I have, I'm drawing the flag on this. Yeah, but that's, yep. that's the goal. Yep, and we ended up on thing on the 20. That's it. We go down, score a touch, the game yeah. touchdown. Yep, uh, yep. You go to the sideline at this point. At what point did you realize, oh, yeah, like I, I'm Yeah, I'm on the T-tape. We still haven't showed it yet, but I'm on the T-tape. I know it. And again, for that entire segment, be sure to watch Eagles game plan this week, Friday, uh, 7.30, if you're here locally in Philadelphia on NBC10. It'll also go up digitally across all your Eagles digital channels. That said, let's get now into the rest of the show. It's time now to start things off with C-Mac in 3 and Out. How about this for a start? They've got him again! What a defensive stop. Slay's second pick of the game. Oh, I'm going to have to call him big play. And this defense does the job. One, two, three and out. All right, let's dig into this Eagles-Dallas matchup with Chris McPherson as we uh, get things going here with three and out. C-Mac, Eagles-Cowboys week. It's always a big one here Thank you. I was going to say, bring the juice. That's it. Happy holidays That's to everyone right. out there. So, I mean, Jalen Hurts has been a topic pretty much, I think, every week. I was trying to, like, you know, recount my mind if we've gone to the quarterback well. He's given time. us plenty of reasons to talk about him. Certainly, certainly. So, of course, you know, we're going to be talking about the quarterback situation here. But first, I want to talk about Hertz's jersey number just because, number one, it's the magic number. Mm. Eagles with a win. They clinch the division. They clinch home field advantage. They get the first round by. The road to the playoffs would come through Lincoln Financial Field. So if the Eagles take care of business on Saturday, 
present some interesting scenarios for the Eagles in the final two games. Well, and that's the thing is that the win doesn't need to be Saturday. The win could be Correct. in week 17. It could be in week 18. As long as it's one of the three or – if Dallas or San Francisco or Minnesota lose all of the three, any of the three, it could right? be so. Da- obviously, Dallas losing would give the Eagles a division, yep. and then if believe it or not, if the Eagles were to tie, if Minnesota then tie, it's right. San Francisco. The, the ties like not, makes it weird. Yeah, yeah, it makes it weird. Like San Francisco is really not Eagles hold the, the tiebreaker over uh, uh, over Minnesota, so that, that yes. that's not a concern. That's a huge right. one. So that's why it shows the value of those early season games that's piling it. up here. So. As we get into three and out, our first topic here. Okay, we're going to talk about the quarterback situation here, but I want to do things a little different, you know, with the holidays coming around. Okay. And I'm not a big, like, pop culture movie guy, to be honest, okay? But I do love Christmas movies, okay? Which is interesting because you do have a uh, a Grinch <laughs> a Grinch figurine right. on your desk. <laughs> All right, a little bit of a Grinch, but nonetheless, look. Love the Christmas season. So I said, let's tie in some movies here. Okay, okay. I like that. So first one, okay, I already gave you the topic, and it's the obvious one coming into this, the quarterback situation. I'm going to go because it's the, you know, Christmas Eve, a Christmas story. Okay. Which is pers- it's my favorite. It's my sure. favorite of, of the Christmas movies, okay? So we can have a whole other debate on that, but that one is a classic. And the sequel is actually pretty good for those I, I have heard. I have not watched it yet. My brother watched it and said that it was uh, surprisingly good. Yes. I was a little worried because I'm such a huge fan of the original, but the sequel is, is solid. So. Uh, so I saw something on social media where it was like you could tell what generation you are by what your favorite uh, Christmas movie is. You are uh, you are a boomer if you uh, if Christmas Christmas Story is your favorite. <laughs> you are a Gen X if uh, if if uh, Christmas right. Vacation is your favorite, and you are a millennial if Elf is your favorite. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, I'll take it. That's fine with me. So. <laughs> Nick Sirianni. <laughs> tra- yeah, no tra- there's no transition from that. Shots fired here. Jeez. All right. Now my feelings are hurt. Um, you know, look, Nick Sirianni confirmed that Jalen Hur- Hurts has a sprained right throwing shoulder. Okay. And I know you and Greg talked about the injury, but since then, we've heard from Coach, we've heard from the quarterback. And yep. Look, Nick Sirianni is not going to rule out the possibility of the MVP candidate playing this week because of his ability to heal and his toughness. And then Hurst spoke, spoke with reporters shortly after on Tuesday and said, you know, he's trying to keep things as business as usual and that there's, quote, definitely a chance that he can play. Sure. Now, these two teams clashed back in week six. The Eagles won 26 to 17. It was a big time Sunday night matchup. The Cowboys had won four straight games with Cooper Rush. Uh, in that game, Eagles were, of course, undefeated. Now, the Eagles, after a scoreless first quarter, they had 20 points in the second quarter. This is when they were racking up those huge point totals in the second quarter of games. And at that point, that was more points than the Cowboys had given up in any game mm. that season. Okay? Even though it was just 20 points. Um Hertz was efficient in the game. He threw for 155 yards, second lowest output of the year. His 6.2 yards per attempt, second lowest of the season. Um, but he didn't turn the ball over, and he didn't even have to use his legs. Only 27 yards on the ground. So if we're looking ahead to Saturday, and if Gardner Minshew does have to start, I think a lot of people are saying, well, what about that performance he had against the Cowboys in Week 18? Look, the Eagles rested most of their starters. That, I don't think that's a fair comparison whatsoever the Eagles were already looking ahead to their playoff showdown now I want to go back to that win at MetLife against the Jets from last season where Minshew threw for 242 yards and two touchdowns the Eagles amassed a huge lead before turning it over to the run game the running backs had 37 carries okay in that 33 to 18 win over the Jets I think it's going to be huge if Minshew has to play the fact that you're getting Dallas Goddard back no doubt this week okay he had in that game against the Jets Six catches, 105 yards. Minshew was great getting the ball to him, especially on the intermediate routes. What, what do you think is the over-under on tight end screens on Saturday night? Regardless, if it's Hurts, it's Minshew, whomever, I, I cannot wait to see the tight end screen and Dallas Goddard back there on the field. So Goddard has had big games against the Cowboys in the past in his career. He has always seemed to have good games against the yeah. uh, Cowboys. You know, it's almost like he's like – Slaying them for uh, for passing them in, in the draft back in 2018. It seemed like that he was geared, ticketed to go to Dallas uh, to be the Jason Witten replacement eventually. He was straight up ahead of him. Yeah, so uh, 25 catches, 345 yards, and three touchdowns uh, in his career against his namesake, literally, that well, he was named after. So um, so if, if Hurts is unable to play, I could not help 
and this was after the news came down on Monday, I couldn't help but think about Jeff Garcia, 2006. Eagles trying to wrap up the NFC East. They get a huge win at the old Texas Stadium, and there's a video of him running off the field after getting the win, saying Merry Christmas, Philadelphia, pretty much cementing his legacy amongst Eagles fans for life. You know, Minshew has been waiting for his shot, and he received a text not that long ago from his former college coach, Mike Leach, saying, Mm. when you get your chance, go make the most of it. Well, we all know Mike Leach passed away unexpectedly, suddenly, and Minshew spent Tuesday speaking at his funeral. So I think you're going to have a very emotional Minshew if it is his time to start, if he does get the call for, for Saturday. Um, and he'll look to make the most of this opportunity. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously the big discussion from a football standpoint then becomes how much changes with the Eagles offense with Gardner Minshew under center as opposed to Jalen Hurts. And, um, you know, I think when you look back to last year and the games against the Jets and the games that Minshew played late in the season, obviously the, the big thing is that the QB run element is a little bit different. It's a, it's a lot different uh, going into yeah. that, right? Uh, then I, but I still think the Eagles are going to run relative to the same amount of RPOs. That, that did not really change um, with the way that the Eagles played last year. Miles Sanders saw uh, plenty of run, but a lot of those runs did come uh, on those run-pass option plays. And so I would expect that to be very similar. Uh, Minshew can attack downfield, but maybe the, the uh, complete verticality of the offense might change a little bit. But outside of that, I don't know that the Eagles are going to change too much schematically if it is, in fact, Gardner Minshew suiting up against Dallas. It's interesting. The first thing you said was under center. I wonder if you'll see more of that in and of itself there. Yeah, the Eagles are our second most shotgun in the NFL, uh, behind only Arizona. So um, we'll see if that, if that does change. All right, so number two, going to go with the uh, classic here, the nightmare before Christmas. Okay, I'm going with that because which pass rush will be more effective in this game? So, okay, we're you know possibly not going to see Jalen versus Dak Prescott once again. And, and the, the – the conversation around Prescott is very fascinating because, you know, he threw the pick six that lost him the game against the Jaguars. I mean, it's a perfectly placed ball that goes off the receiver's hands, and, you know, it. but Prescott is getting all of the blame for it. Did you ha- – by the way, did you send the cheesesteaks down to uh- – I did not. Uh, I was wondering who it was. <laughs> that was very, very funny that for those that hadn't seen it. Um, apparently, someone who worked with the Eagles – or works with the Eagles uh, called down to a, a restaurant down in uh, in northern Florida and had uh, cheesesteaks delivered to the entire Jaguar staff uh, for uh, beating the Cowboys in overtime last yeah, week. Yeah, huge move right there. So, By the way, real quick, yeah. uh, I am very happy that you consider Nightmare Before Christmas a, a – Christmas movie, there was an argument in our workspace uh, in the pit uh, last week, I believe, that it's a Halloween movie and not a Christmas movie, which is an absurd take, and I'm, glad, and I'm happy that you uh, you are on the right side yeah. of that argument. I, w- I will tell you right now, I wanted to find a way to work in Die Hard just for the sake mm. of this. I, I did not, but I would have uh, been more than happy to throw it in there just to get that out there. So, um, But Dak is 7-3 in his career against the Eagles, 16-7 to touchdown interception ratio, 96.2 passer rating. He's got a little bit of a Mr. October to him. If you look at his career numbers by the month, his most passing yards per game, his best TD interception ratio, best quarterback rating all come in that month. What is the worst month for Prescott? The month of December. Hmm. Okay? And it's going to be interesting that in this game we'll have the top two teams in terms of sacks. Yep, and pressure. And pressures. Okay, so you look at the Eagles leading the way with 55. Hassan Reddick, congrats on the Pro Bowl nomination. Um, well-deserving of the honors. Both he and Sweat have been just phenomenal. I feel like the last couple of weeks they've been coming on strong. I can't believe that a defensive tackle with 10 sacks who's formerly been to the Pro Bowl and Javon Hargrave doesn't make it. I mean, he was, wasn't he at one point leading the, the defensive won the tackles? Fan vote. Right. He won the fan vote. Very strange. So this is the first time in franchise history that the Eagles have had six-plus sacks in three straight games going into this matchup. What's interesting is you go back to the first meeting with the Cowboys – no sacks hmm. on Cooper Rush. So now looking at the Cowboys offensive line, Tyron Smith is back, but he's at right tackle, right tackle. now. Yep. He was platooning with Jason Peters. Seems like they're trying to work him in there, but um, you know they're keeping the rookie Tyler Smith on the left side, who's played well there. Now the Cowboys on the flip side, second in sacks with 49, Micah Parsons. He's already matched his rookie total with 13. Now, the Eagles, one of the things that's going to be fascinating is the Eagles did such a great job of using his aggressiveness against him in the first matchup. 
I don't know if they'll be able to do the same. Obviously, if it is going to be Gardner Minshew with the run-pass element, RPO element, there will be interesting to see how they were able to scheme that up. Um, But as good as the Cowboys' pass rush is, they struggled against the run. They're not going to have Leighton Vander Esch. He's suffered a neck injury. You know, it seems like reports indicate that it's not related to the previous neck injury. So we'll have to see about that. But you know, just last week against Jacksonville, 192 yards on the ground, seven yard over seven yards per carry, and in the secondary, no Jordan Lewis, no Anthony Brown, and Kelvin Joseph, who's been a starter. Uh, opposite Trayvon Diggs on the outside, he was benched yep. against Jacksonville. Yeah, and we'll see exactly what the injury situation is there as well because the the corner who replaced him, the Sean Wright, uh, he left with injury uh, after that. So we'll see. I, I have not seen the, any official status there on Wright, but uh, Kelvin Joseph has really struggled, the second-year corner out of Kentucky. Uh, he's a, a height-weight speed guy, but has been um, you know prone to biting on double moves and being attacked vertically down the field. Uh, I know Jacksonville got him on a couple big plays, and that has been much of the case over the course of these last few weeks so I do think that that's an area where the Eagles can try and win as long as they're able to protect uh, whoever is back there throwing passes so last topic here and this is uh goes back to your your earlier note about you know which age demographic are you in based on which movie you like I'm on with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation okay okay because who is going to be the Uncle Eddie (laughs) <laughs> Who's going to be the the X factor? Who's going to be the hero who comes on for for the Eagles in this one? Because obviously some great matchups on on both sides of the ball, but who's going to be that under the radar hero? Um, I'm going to give four options here, some possibilities to throw out there. First one, I'm going to go with Boston Scott. Big kickoff returns last couple weeks. Cowboys ranked six in special teams DVOA. This is a specialty for them. And obviously they have Cavante Turpin, who's been a phenomenal returner for them this season. If I remember right, had a couple of nice returns against the Eagles in week six. Indeed. But Boston Scott, especially also if uh, you know if you lean on the run game possibly a little bit more, maybe he finds a way to uh, I like that. break something big here. Second, going defense, uh, Vontae Maddox. Okay, I think he's been outstanding since he came back off injured reserve. Um Maybe think back to 2013. You were working with us at the time. Brandon Boykin. Brandon Boykin. I was going to ask you what your favorite uh, late season victory over the Dallas Cowboys was, and that was one of the memories that first comes 44 to, mind. to 6 is 44 won. 6. 44 6. Yes. I mean, that whole day. Actually, it actually starts back the week before. It was coming, we were arriving at 30th Street Station after we lost to Washington. We took the train back. I remember getting on the buses, and I remember like, Reading something, and they're like, there's still, still a chance. There's still mm. a chance. And people on the bus were like, kind of like, like, shut up. Like, like, didn't you see the game we just we just had? But I was like, I think there's still, you know, there's still a chance. And then remember being in the stadium early and following the the scores uh, leading out through the afternoon. And you were just like, I just hope that if we get to a situation where it's winning, we're in, that we don't screw it up and right. end up losing to them. And obviously, that was a a memorable game, not just because you beat the Cowboys to get into the playoffs and start the amazing playoff run. It was the last home game for Doc, for Runyon. Mm. I mean, it was it was a uh, momentous occasion for that in sure. that regard. Changing the guard, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so that would be one. And then the Boykin interception, you know, veer off course there, but that Boykin interception was, was awesome. It's a good so, one. Um, so, again, you know, so nickel corner there, game-winning pick. I think Max, again, has been really good in his return from IR. He's been using it a couple of different ways, um, especially last week with Blankenship out and, you know, Kayvon, you know, Kayvon Wall starting at safety. But Max was using a couple of different packages there. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a little bit of love here. So that's two. Quez Watkins, we saw the Eagles manufacture some touches for him last game. I wouldn't be surprised to maybe try to get him on some jet sweeps, reverses, maybe in this one. Okay. Um, you know, find a way to use that explosive ability. Sure. TJ Edwards. Mm. He is eighth in the league in tackles. And look, the Cowboys pass catchers have been pretty inconsistent. Outside of C.D. Lamb. He's due for like a big play in coverage. Yes. Like that, that, that's one thing that I feel like we've seen from T.J. Edwards is how often he's like there in passing lanes and making big plays. Remember that interception he had, the leaping interception against the Saints last year? Yeah. Like One of those plays. We saw him make those plays in training camp all the time, every, every single year. Um, so I feel like in a game, he's due. He nearly had that interception. I think it was against Tennessee uh, in the middle yes. of the field. It just bounced off his hands. Uh, he's due. I, I like that one. So T.J. Edwards, and especially, you know, you got to shut down Pollard and Elliott, yep. you know, try to put the game on Dak's shoulders there. And last, 
We haven't had a game winner from Jake Elliott this mm. season. Okay, Dicker the kicker got special teams player of the week honors uh, in his debut with that game winner against Arizona. Jake might be due. So five options there for who could be the Uncle Eddie here for uh, for this Saturday against the Cowboys. I love it. Yeah, there are a lot of options here. It's going to be a fun one to break down. Uh, it's going to be um, obviously a loaded game, a lot on the line uh, for both teams, to be honest. But I think when you look at uh, this rivalry, uh, never leaves any. There's no meat left on the bone there. There no. will be plenty uh, to chew on as we get to next week. Well, C-Mac, thanks so much for joining us once again here for 3 and Out. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, let's take the next step into breaking down this matchup. So welcome in Ben Fennell for some Chalk Talk. And Ben, uh, Eagles game plan, we're about halfway done editing the show here this week. And obviously a little bit of a wrench thrown into our plans, breaking the show down as the news came down of Jalen Hurts' injury. And when uh, that happened, when that came across our desk late Monday, we said, all right, we got to change some things around in terms of the rundown of the show. And obviously we talked about that right at the top. And obviously as we sit here today, still don't know whether or not it will be Jalen Hurts or Gardner Minshew, but we did want to have the guys just talk through, what, what would that mean for this Eagles offense if it was Minshew taking those snaps. Yeah, and it's not a scenario that's unique to this team, as we all know, and it's not a scenario that's unique across the league, as, you know, 20, 22 teams are dealing with banged-up quarterbacks, and that's kind of the name of the game here in December, is kind of getting through the season and staying healthy and, um, you know, not knowing who the quarterback is going to be at this point in the week is okay because a team like Philadelphia prepares their backups to play better than anybody in the NFL. They have a well-built offensive line. They have an established foundation and scheme through the run game, through you know through that uh, dominant offensive line. They have man coverage beating weapons. They have great schematic elements. It's a very good situation for any quarterback, whether it's Jalen Hurts, Gardner Minshew, Ian Book, or somebody else you know after him. So um, I love the situation here that Nick Sirianni, Howie Roseman have, have built in 2022. And I think it's a, a cushy situation for any quarterback to slide in and kind of get the job done. Well, I, I thought one of those points he made was excellent in that. And it's 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 funny because everyone wants to make the correlation. Oh, you know, Nick Foles and Jeff Garcia and A.J. Feely and Coy Detmer, all the history of the backup quarterbacks late in season uh, and the heroics we've seen from that role. But obviously those, those players don't have anything to do with this team and this coaching Zero. staff, yep. right? But the point that you made about this staff getting backups ready to step in and make plays, we saw it just last week, Kayvon Wallace, the week before. Reed Blankenship. You look along the offensive line. You look at linebacker. You look at receiver. Uh, every tight end, obviously, over the course of the last month, right? All of these backups showing the ability to come in, step in, and play. And the the offense, defense does not miss a beat. And that's really a cultural thing. And it, you know, when some when an injury happens, and those injuries, as we know, is inevitable uh, in this brutal game. Having you know your depth that's ready to play is part of preparing your team. You know, in the summer. And I think we've seen it all over the place. You mentioned a bunch of scenarios already over the past few weeks, whether it's, you know, Josiah Scott stepping in for Avante Maddox yep. a number of games. This team survived games without their starting left tackle. And Jack Driscoll slides right in. There's never a panic or maybe a mid-game, you know, uh, you know, guy off the bench and having to fill in. Jason Kelsey a, steps out. Now you got Cam Jurgens coming in for a drive. No question. Yeah. Or, you know, say Amalo going out and, you know, uh, you know Cepeda, uh Isaac Samalo goes out and maybe like a Suo Opeta comes off the bench. You have guys that are ready to play and everyone feels comfortable working together because of the preparation throughout training camp in the summer, into the preseason, and on the occasional, you know, double digit, you know, lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah, let's empty the bench and get him some regular season reps, as we've seen in four or five games this season. Those reps matter. You cannot replicate NFL live action, and any chance you get them in for a drive, too, just to get the game speed and the continuity with their teammates – valuable, valuable reps. Yeah, and no matter who's a quarterback, they can expect to see plenty of man-to-man -man coverage from this Cowboys team. They led the league in cover one a year ago, one of the top cover one teams in the league this year. Uh, and one of the weapons the Eagles have used against man-to-man -man has been the use of the slot fade. We've seen it especially these last couple of weeks. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith hitting on those throws uh, this past week against the Chicago Bears. Devontae scored the touchdown last week on fourth down against the Giants uh, on that route. So uh, we wanted to break that down. You and I did that as well for the All-22 review this week. Yeah, and it's becoming really difficult to pick your poison defending this team 
um, because you've seen a lot more man coverage against this Eagles offense, not only to try to slow down those weapons on the outside. Someone needs to account for Jalen Hurts at all times. Yeah. That quarterback in the run game. So you're getting a plus one into the box, a lot of QB spying, a lot of robbers, a lot of robber two spies where you're just keeping your eyes on that quarterback and trying to ebb and flow with his movements. However, some man-beating weapons on the outside, some great receivers that can beat man-to-man coverage in a variety of ways, whether it's quick game underneath stuff or vertically down the field or maybe just at the catch point. You know, having some alpha receivers like Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown really make it a tough proposition for defenses um, that this team can beat you in multiple ways against whatever coverage or defensive scheme you want to throw at us. Well, and that's the thing. When you look at this defense, you know that they, they're going to try. They have their identity, right? And in terms of the way that they want to play up front and on the back end. And Micah Parsons up front is a big part of what they do. They move him around. You made the point earlier this week that he had pressures against all five starting offensive linemen for the Jaguars last week. And uh, the way that they move him around and create those one-on-ones is something the Eagles offensive front is going to have to prepare for. Yeah, it's not just a static deployment on a down-to-down basis. I think finding him pre-snap to post-snap is really important and you know it's not always going to be easy to take away and account for the opposing team's best player they do a great job in moving him around and preventing your ability to key on him and I think Greg Cosell highlighted a great play against the Vikings two or three weeks ago where of course you want to slide to Michael Parsons but Sam Williams on the inside helps control the slide keeps the isolation one-on-one with the left tackle and Michael Parsons so a lot of those pre-snap and during the week plans you have to make sure Parsons doesn't wreck the game well the Cowboys and Dan Quinn do a great job in preparing for those kind of kings on their best players and they're going to do everything they can to say you can't double team him you can't slide to him you can't send extra help uh, because of x y and z and his alignments and deployments and stunts and games and twists and loops and all the things that Cowboys front likes to do and Dallas's defense they've had issues against the run that showed up uh, this past week as well against Jacksonville C-Mac mentioned it uh, in the last segment as well um, a lot of reasons why that, that run defense has suffered I mean Green Bay they had that huge rushing performance against them a few weeks back and we've seen that throughout the course of the season um, what are your thoughts just on one of the some of the issues that they do have up front well philosophically I think they're okay with getting a little beat up in the run game they want more speed on the field this is a sub package defense they're 31st in base personnel usage that's why the eagles use so much multi-tight end in week six you want to call their bluff and saying if we had two tight ends on the field you're still going to stay in nickel okay if it's three tight ends what are you going to do okay finally we'll play base so it's that cat and mouse of personnel versus personnel. What did you say that they play? They've played like 32 snaps of base all season long. Yeah, uh, and only the Buffalo Bills were less. So yep. they're a sub-package team. This is how they want to play. They want to play with more speed and athleticism. Have those ball hawks on the back end. Some tough safeties that could do a lot of different roles for them. Um, and they're okay with maybe getting gashed in the run game uh, on a occasional basis. But it's a lot of single high schemes, as you mentioned. Cover one, man to man. A lot of cover three from that old Dan Quinn type of system, which he is isn't true, you know, just cover three anymore, as you had mentioned with yes. the league and cover one last year. Yep. But a lot of it comes out of single high schemes and then tons of stunts and loops up front with those athletic fronts. So they're a sub-package team, and they get away with it with some light bodies up front too, like Oso Digizua, and, you know, they play Dorrance Armstrong on the inside, and, you know, guys like Tristan Hill and Neville Gallimore maybe aren't your big, you know, two-gapping, you know, type of D tackles. A lot of athleticism. And then you incorporate a young Sam Williams, which – Please, go look at his testing metrics from the Combine. They use an absolute freak show running in the 4.4s four at 260 pounds. That's as impressive as Trayvon Walker. You know, there was only so many guys with that type of height, weight, speed. Obviously, had some other things uh, in his profile and evaluation. But to add a piece like that with uh, Micah Parsons dangerous, dangerous group. That pass rush is definitely fearsome, and th- this Eagles pass rush, uh, pretty good as well. And We had uh, Ike Reese break down one of the third down sacks, one of four on the day for the Eagles last week against the Chicago Bears. There was the Hassan Reddick sack, and just a lot of different layers to the way to the way that that play happened. You know, Javon Hargrave sniffing out the screen. You saw a variety of different spy players uh, over the course of the game. Just a-, a lot at play here when you talk about the Eagles on third down. Well, I think in a lot of these plays, you know, you have 11 moving parts on defense on any given play and it's always a team effort you know so I love highlighting plays like that where there's multitude of reasons why the play was successful for the defense and I just think that's what makes film study so much fun first watching on tv and even film study from one mind to another 
somebody sees one thing in coverage, you see the thing up front, you maybe see something on the second level or, you know, a, a key or something taken away. There's so many different moving parts on every single play. It takes time to find it, takes time to study it, and plays like that are just a lot of fun to highlight how many different people are involved on a successful play. Yeah, and again, the variety of for the Eagles moving forward from one game to the next to the next to the next. It, it, it's not like that, hey, this is their identity on third down. They're going to go four-man rush, stunt, uh, and play man-to-man coverage. That's not the way this team operates. Yeah, and one last thing with that Cowboys defense where we fully put them to bed yeah. is I had a really tough time getting a feel for their personnel, and that wasn't an accident. They used 21 different players last week. They did 22 different players the mm. week before. A lot of injuries, a lot of moving parts. A lot of different bodies in there for a variety of reasons. So I had a tough time kind of getting a landscape for the personnel and the bodies. And that's kind of the name of the game right now in December football. You know, you have a lot of guys in and out of the lineup. Cowboys are no exception. They have some injuries. They have some some talent issues at certain spots and some benching. They're trying to find the best guy for the job. Um, so there's a lot of different players, and I'd expect to see a lot of different players on Saturday. So for some inside baseball for our listeners, that you know, when we're putting the show together every week, we split it up obviously into different blocks, right? And we're separated by commercials. And typically the tent pole of the block is the Greg Cosell breakdown, the enemy and intel sec- uh, section of the show. And on e- in each segment, he breaks down one aspect of the opponent. This week, focusing in on their defense, yeah, it's going to be Micah Parsons. With their offense, you and I went back and forth. Is it going to be the run game? Is it going to be a Dak Prescott segment? Is it going to be a CeeDee Lamb segment? Are you really uh, uh, were liking what the Cowboys had done in terms of getting him in motion? And that got us thinking, all right, well, maybe we should look up how often he's put in motion on p- plays where he gets the football. Turns out he's as productive as any player in the league when he is on the move. Yeah, and how we find those concepts and topics each week for the show, they come differently. And sometimes you're watching the down-to-down film and you notice a trend within the game. Like we just noticed C.D. Lamb against the Jags this week. A lot of tight alignments working to space on the other side of the formation. There's just the things you notice in the game. And then the one step further to our study is let's just watch C.D. Lamb targets throughout the season. And you start to notice themes and trends, and one of those was pre-snap motion. And suddenly a lot of that happens on third down. He started to get a lot of those targets off of motion. This is a guy that's incredibly dangerous if you give him space to operate. It's a great scheme for him, help avoid some press coverage, give him some room, and he is as dynamic as anybody after the catch. You see it on a lot of those short yardage plays where it's third and two, third and three. Give him a little rub and some motion, get him the ball underneath. He makes a guy miss for an explosive play. So he leads the NFL in receptions, excuse me, receiving yards and touchdowns off pre-snap motion so it was no accident we saw that with our eyes and those are just the trends we kind of pick up and leave a blank canvas while you're watching tape and let the tape speak to you not to mention all sorts of other ideas obviously the explosiveness of tony pollard has shown up we know we see zach martin and tyron smith working together for the first time right there's a lot of moving parts on that old line so we kind of you know want to go elsewhere there dak prescott's a very uh, turbulent quarterback at the moment, especially with fan circles. Narrative-wise, so, no right. No question. Yeah. So we kind of want to leave that alone. But C.D. Lamb, don't forget about him. As dangerous as any weapon they have. Well, and that, you mentioned Tony Pollard there. He's another guy where you just see they put him in motion. And it's with a purpose. You know, Everything they do, there is a purpose to it. It's not just motion for motion's sake. And, that, and the part we see that with C.D. Lamb. We see that with Tony Pollard. A lot of pony sets where he's the movement piece, and you see all the creative motions with him in the backfield or in the slot. Uh, but we did have the guys talk about just uh, the dynamic there between Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. Yeah, absolutely. And Kellen Moore does a great job in deploying each of them to the best of their abilities. And Zeke, obviously, is the smart player, great in pass pro, great in blitz pickups, good running between the tackles, good short yardage, can still catch the football as well and some underneath stuff. But Tony Pollard is a special, special talent. You have to find special ways to get him the ball. I think Kellen Moore does a great job not only working him out of the backfield, but lining them out wide, too. Some of those things you saw at Memphis with him, you know, where he did a lot of receiver-like things that year before Kenny Gainwell, who also did a lot of receiver-like things. Hmm. That was the Tony Pollard role in that offense. He isn't a running back. He isn't a receiver. This is an offensive weapon, very much like a Curtis Samuel type of guy, hmm. you know, those types of guys around the NFL. I know he hangs out in the running back room, but he does a lot of different things. And I think you see him win in the route. Then you see some boring plays where, you know, Dak just gets to do him on a check down. 
60-yard touchdown. You know, it's that type of weapon in the offense. He's a really exciting player to watch. When you get to this stage of the season, it's often, you know, teams have established who they are, right? You start to see a lot of trends, and you can really dive deep uh, <clears throat> into the stats because there's a, a large enough sample size yep. to really get a sense of team's identity and usage of players and different personnel you are groupings. You are now. Yeah, exactly right. And so uh, in this game, with obviously uh, the, the rival, rivalry being what it is, uh, we were able to pick a bunch of really fun numbers uh, out for this game. And so we've talked about a few already, the C.D. Lamb number, um, some of the parts things as well uh was there one stat for, though that uh, that stood out most to you over the week of prep yeah parsons fun to dive into cd lamb the motion stuff his explosive plays on third down really fun number as well you can do so many different things with the pressure rate of these two teams yeah seems like it's cowboys eagles literally in, in every, every category metric. yeah sacks pressures rushing for x y and z one thing i like that i just kind of alluded to tony pollard catching those checkdowns 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 Dak Prescott is hitting those checkdowns. Eight scrambles in nine games. Hmm. This is not your mobile, I'm taking off and running quarterback we've seen in the past. He's a guy that's very willing to exhaust progressions from the pocket and literally work the full field, one to two to three to four, sometimes the five, and you watch it all the way across the field. Tony Pollard has two receiving touchdowns the last three weeks off of late progressions from Dak Prescott. Eight scrambles, nine games. This is a different Dak Prescott. Is that because of the, the ankle injury, or is it because of his evolution as a quarterback? My opinion, a little bit of both. He's an impressive player. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I just did a podcast with uh, Robert Mays over at the Athletic Football Show and just looking at the quarterback landscape and you know placing all different guys into buckets. We're a lot of talk about both Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott as well as, I don't know, like 20 other quarterbacks <laughs> in the NFL. But we were talking about just the, you know early in these guys' careers, allowing players to uh, really kind of cut loose and do what they do well. And Dak Prescott, his first couple of years, he was in the top eight or nine uh, in scramble rate around the NFL. Uh, and re we remember like they would get into third down or they'd get into the red zone, and the zone read was such a big, big Huge, weapon for yeah. them. And now that's not really a part of what they are at all. To your point, uh, now he is such an uh, outstanding manager of the game, pre-snap, post-snap, understanding how to get through progressions. He plays the quarterback position as well as basically anybody in the league right now. Yeah, and I think some of those uh, guys at the athletic football show, you mentioned Robert Mays, Nate Tice have tongue in cheek said Dak Prescott is the litmus test for if you know quarterback play because he's a very contentious player when you're watching on TV on Sundays and if you just watch the highs or the lows he's a very contentious player to evaluate but when you watch his tape on a down to down basis he plays quarterback the right way in a very impressive offense a well designed offense from Kellen Moore and it's really impressive to see him take the next step in his quarterback development and really play from the pocket and kind of exhaust those progressions. Uh, one thing that kind of, honestly, it's along these lines, is this is an Eagles stat that stood out to me. We were talking about, um, you know, the 22-yard touchdown run Jalen Hurts had against uh, against the Chicago Bears last week. That came out of empty. And the Eagles, they're, they've been middle of the pack. I want to say they're like 20th in the league right now uh, in empty sets. I can pull that up real quick while, while, as not I'm too talking. High, not too low. Yeah. They're working it right in the middle of the pack. Yeah, they're yep. in the middle of the pack right now in terms of empty sets uh, around the NFL. They are actually, no, they're they're. 12th right now uh, in empty. So there's, they're climbing up there. Yeah, so yeah, middle of the pack. Um, but yeah, they're, they're now in the top 12. But when you look at it from a yards per play standpoint, not yards per pass, not yards per run, yards per play, they have 9.1 yards per play. Second best team, 8.1. They are well out ahead uh, of the other teams in those empty sets. So when they line up with Jalen Hurts by himself in the backfield, they make it count. And a lot of that, yeah, it's going to the, the QB draw plays certainly play a factor into those. But also uh, the deep balls, the way that uh, he has been really, really good in the pre-snap phase of checking into some of those slot fades and being aggressive down the field. Those Devontae Smith choice routes that we talked I was about. Just about uh, to incorporate that. Uh, from yeah, the Giants that's, that's, last week. Yeah, yeah, and like we saw the. Early in the season, that was a big thing we talked about, right? Finding those matchups inside against zone coverage, and then, hey, if we're going to get mad, now we're going to attack downfield. But that pre-snap management and that recognition, that's a really good example of, of Jalen Hurts' development as well. Yeah, and I just love the multitude of ways that this offensive by design can attack you. And it's, it's so exciting to deploy your weapons and empty. Mention all the different ways to beat you with running backs in the pass game, Smith and Brown and the tight ends. Oh, oh and then the quarterback running game out of empty. That's just empty. Yep. You know, that's not even talking about the big boy football, 12 personnel, condensed sets. Let's beef up the trenches and run right at you. And then all these play action and RPO elements off of that. Just so many different, you know, tools in the tool belt for Sirianni, Shane Steichen, Hurts, Minshew, this whole offense to attack you. And when you get into December, 
January, maybe even a little early February football, Fran, it's important to have a lot of tools in the toolkit because you get some good defenses that want to tie one of your hands behind your back. You better have another hand that can still punch you and knock you out, and this Eagles team has a lot of ways to beat you. I'm looking up a stat real quick because I actually remember there was a um, last year everyone was like freaking out about the Rams uh, out of empty. I just want to see something real quick. McVeigh using empty? Yeah, with with Stafford. Stafford. Yep. If I remember that, it's something. Yeah. Okay. I got three, two. Real quick, as you as you were talking there, uh, it, it occurred to me. I remember last year, a lot of people really glowing about the LA Rams and Matthew Stafford last year out of those empty sets and how aggressive they were. And Stafford loved to be an empty. They averaged six point eight yards per play. The the Green Bay Packers were actually number one last year, eight point one yards per play wow. out of empty. And so again, just looking at at Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, nine point one yards mm-hmm. per play from those formations well, I don't really think gives Rogers you sense. And Stafford were uh, running the QB draws. No, and some of that empty <laughs> action as well as uh, Jalen Hurts. So. One, one other element that this Eagles just have an extra wrinkle to uh, beating opponents. No doubt. All right, let's uh, last this, lastly get into our, our matchups that matter. You have a one-on-one battle you have your eye on? Well, as much as we're focused on Micah Parsons, obviously you want to see him against Jordan Mulata, Lane Johnson. You'll see him against the gauntlet of offensive linemen. Don't forget about their B and C and D level rushers too, particularly Sam Williams. I think he's going to have some interesting matchups this week, not only against the edges, See him up against Big Land and Dickerson, hmm. two guys that have seen each other in the SEC before a few years ago. And Sam Williams, an explosive player, do not let him ruin the game by paying too much attention to Michael Parsons. So a lot of fun matchups on that old line. Oso Digizua, Dorrance Armstrong, uh, Chauncey Golson and company, even Dante Fowler out there. They have a really fun group. Yeah, for me, just looking at this uh, Eagles defensive front against that o- offensive line for Dallas, Connor McGovern at left guard going up against Javon Hargrave. Uh, that's a matchup. Uh, the, to me, like just looking, all right, who's a guy that the Eagles can try and attack up front? That's one this week where I say, okay, that, that's the matchup I feel best about going into this game. So, uh, Ben, great stuff as always. Make sure we check out uh, – everybody out there checks out Ben uh, on Twitter at BenFennel underscore NFL. We'll be talking to him this week as well on the Journey to the Draft podcast, getting you ready uh, for Senior Bowl, Shrine Bowl, uh, uh, we've got underclassmen news, bowl games, obviously, right in the thick of things. So make sure you go check that out wherever podcasts can be found. Uh, we talked earlier about Eagles game plan and putting that show together. Well, we've got some leftover analysis from John Clark and Ike Reese and Mike Quick and Greg Cosell that, again, due to time constraints, could not squeeze in to the final product of that show. But I kept it all just for you here on the Eagle on the Sky podcast. And last year at the Jets, when Gardner Minshew filled in, Miles Sanders got 24 carries. They scored on their first seven possessions. The offense kept going. Do you think we still see the RPOs and a similar type of offense? Maybe not the read option, but yeah. the RPOs. I think you will, because it's a staple of this offense. Yes. And they have so many different variations of it. Gardner Minshew will have no problem operating this offense. You talked about his start last year versus the Jets. What this may mean is that Miles Sanders may get a few more carries from that running back position, but it doesn't eliminate the throwing ability from the quarterback position. And that's where Gardner is going to be able to operate in between those hashes out to the numbers. Oh, Micah Parsons is good. And the Cowboys front four, they get more pressure just sending four than any team in the NFL. But teams are running on them. The Jags had close to 200 rushing yards against them. Why are teams able to run on the Cowboys right now? Teams are running on Dallas because they play in so much sub package. They don't play a lot of base defense when you got bigger bodies on the field. They've got a lot of uh, secondary guys, defensive backs. They play nickel. They play dime. And so you've got all of these light bodies in the box. Well, when you have that, Teams want to run the football because you've got smaller bodies. When you have a big offensive line like the Eagles have that can dominate the line of scrimmage, and by the way, they're able to get to the second level and get on those smaller bodies, you really have to take advantage of what you have in the run game. Michael Parsons, their number one linebacker, he's probably going to play more linebacker now than out on the edge. With Leighton Vander Ash possibly out, more than likely he's going to be out, you'll see Parsons more at the linebacker, not rushing so much off the edge. You really want to run the football at him. Yeah, and this is the benefit for the Eagles because if you can get 11 to play out of position, he wants to go forward and chase down quarterbacks. Yeah. That's what he wants to do. There's a lack of interest in playing against the run. And when you run at these guys, 
They don't necessarily take blocks on the way they're supposed to take blocks on. You usually get to a side. It creates running lanes for your offense. This is where the Eagles were able to take advantage. The last time they played against the Cowboys, they got to stick to that formula this time around as well. It's where this Dallas defense, to me, can be attacked. Yeah, you talked about their front four. They're very disruptive up front. They're really good there. But after you get to the second level, you can get bodies on those guys and move those guys and create run lanes. And the Cowboys are dealing with some injuries in the secondary, and Dallas is back in Dallas. Dallas Goddard is back, and we saw more multiple tight end sets with the Eagles against the Cowboys in that first game, and the Dallas Goddard screen game is back. Yeah, even anytime you can get the big man out in the open field, he's one of the best in the game in his position running after he catches the ball. You're talking about 6'5", 6'6", 250 pounds, agile, usually doesn't go down with the first tackler there. So it's going to be great to get him matched up against that defense. And Dallas is struggling with personnel on the back end. Whether you have young guys in there, inexperienced guys, or guys that just aren't as good as the starters were early in the year, there's a lot of mix-up on the back end of that Dallas defense. And if we can get them in coverage, that should be an advantage for the Eagles. I think Dallas Goddard makes a big difference in this offense in general. When he is on the field, he's a matchup problem for any defense. The way he catches the ball and his ability to run after catch makes this a different offense. And with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, you want to rely on that easy throw to your tight end. I really think that they're a top 10 defense on third down because they'll give the quarterback so much to think about. There's so many things that they do on third down. You, you showed the one with Marcus Epps, but there's, a, there's one later in the game where you've got Avante Maddox. He's the spy. You think that he's going to play the slot receiver, but he comes off and he's lurking, watching the quarterback. There are many times that they'll invert coverages. They do so many different things. And I have to give Jonathan Gannon a lot of credit for having a lot going on in the quarterback's head on third down, a lot for them to think about. So now you're the Eagles defense. And by the way, the Eagles defense is playing very, very well. But you have to be aware. You have to have a plan when C.D. Lamb goes in motion. You don't want to get caught up with all that communication just before the ball is snapped where someone can be out of position or late reacting. So you have to have a plan based on where Lamb starts and where he will finish. That will be one of the main challenges for the Eagles' defense. They cannot allow C.D. Lamb to go 7 for 125. That would not work out well for the Eagles. Well, they made the commitment to getting Tony Pollard involved a month ago, you say. Well, it was a month ago that the Eagles signed Linval Joseph <laughs> and Dominick Sue. And since they've done that, their ability to stop the run, especially in the middle of that defense, has gotten so much better. Now, perimeter runs... Okay, maybe you're going to make hay there, but it's going to be hard to run the ball in the middle of the Eagles defense with the way TJ Edwards is playing and you got those big guys in the middle, not even to mention Jordan Davis, when you've got he and Linval Joseph both in the middle, that's a whole lot of beef to get over. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott threw two interceptions again against the Jaguars. He's got the most interceptions since he's come back, 11 of them. But he's also been pretty efficient with the passing game, right? Yeah, and I think Dak has had a decent season since he's come back from his injuries. He has. He's had some unfortunate bounces of the football late in games. This led to turnovers. But he's been throwing the ball with efficiency, and he's been throwing the ball pretty well. So don't be fooled by the turnovers that you may see in some of these highlights. Dak Prescott can still beat you with his arm. Great stuff there from the Eagles game plan crew. Thanks to them and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week. Happy holidays.